Well, it's good to be back to Gospel City. This is the first time in, in two years, so two and a half years. It is great to see so many familiar faces. And I know many of you have uh, come out to see us on a Sunday, and we thank you for that. Uh, we always appreciate old faces coming to say hello. And so if you haven't done that yet, we'd love to see you, man. Come out, check us out. And if you live in that area, like Elkhart County is so nice. I mean, you got the cows out there and the corn. Uh, we would love for you to consider... Uh, joining the mission out there, if that's a lot closer to you. So seriously, I say that with all seriousness. But let me invite you now to open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 77. Psalm chapter 77. When it comes to trouble in this world, Scripture is very clear that everyone suffers. Even our Savior himself said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus guaranteed suffering would come to us. Nobody gets a trial-free, easy life. And in a real sense, isn't that God's grace? Like if everything went swimmingly for us, if everything was just so easy, then wouldn't we be tempted to say, I don't really need God. Or God's a nice thing I could put on my shelf and pull him out when I need it. Like even Paul himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he had faced so much suffering said that he would learn not to, he needed that suffering so he would learn not to rely on himself, but on God who raises the dead. So, so really suffering is God's grace to us. Yet I, I see so many people who are shocked when life gets hard. You know, and we live in a society too that balks at God when serious trials come. Like, how can you say God is good when he allowed these things to happen? And I've seen and heard many stories of, of people who claim to be Christians. And right now, the hot thing to say is, like, I'm deconstructing my faith. You ever hear that? Like, so many people doing this. And often, it's out of a reaction to a trial or suffering that they face that they can't comprehend that a good God would allow this to happen. They did not persevere in Christ. When the fires of life came, they turned away because they expected God to give them a healthy, wealthy, and prosperous life. So how, how do you respond when the unfathomable happens to you? When tragedy strikes deep and you start to have all of these questions about who God is, how do you respond in those moments? Where do you turn to to make sense of, of the world when the world is telling you to forget about this God that you say you believe in. Our psalmist here in chapter 77 found himself in a similar place of troubles and asking questions about who God was. And it's so important for us to understand that as this psalmist saw, we cannot allow our emotions to be swayed by the circumstances of our life to keep us from pursuing the Lord. We don't know exactly what he went through. Perhaps there's enemies surrounding him on every side and defeat is close at hand. Maybe he's recently lost a loved one and he's trying to figure out how to deal with that. Or perhaps he's received a lethal diagnosis from the doctor. We don't know what's going on, but what we do know is that the author found great comfort and solace in God. In the midst of his troubles, in the midst of his suffering, he turned to the Lord. 
No matter what he was facing and what he would face, it didn't keep him from crying out to the Lord. So let's look at this text together. And may the Lord challenge us to persevere when life is hard, no matter what our circumstances are. This is Psalm 77, a psalm for persevering. I cry aloud to the Lord, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Or his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your mighty hand among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the reminder already of the blood that was shed for us that we might be made right with you. Lord, for those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, our greatest problem has been taken care of. God, thank you for that reminder this morning. And Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters here, especially those who find themselves in the midst of trouble and suffering and trials, Lord. Those who are questioning whether or not you are legit and real. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. Father, I thank you for the hope that we find in the Psalms specifically, Lord, of people who are raw and real, people we can relate with. God, may you draw us near that we would push to persevere no matter what comes our way. God, we need you this morning and we thank you that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are surely with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we dive into the psalm, we are going to see how the author deals with the troubles and the questions that arise out of him. And here's the big picture of the day. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to walk away from with. Seek the Lord no matter what. 
Seek the Lord no matter what. Look again at verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. So here's the first point of the morning. Don't let your troubles keep you from crying out to the Lord. Notice in verse 1 how the author actually repeats himself. He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. There's some deep pain that this psalmist is experiencing, and, and yet he is seeking the Lord fervently. He's, he's crying out loud to him. You know, we can tend to be a people that stuffs everything down, especially, I think, men. Here we think, like, we can't let our emotions show. We can't let people see what's in. And we just bottle things up. And, and that's a dangerous place to be when we aren't willing to let out loud what's going on. The Lord already knows what you're feeling anyway. And so the first thing we want to take away from is, like, man, let, let's be people who are willing to express what we're going through out loud with the same emotions that we have to the Lord. He already knows what you're feeling. He already knows your emotions behind it. And sometimes, one thing I appreciate about the Psalms is that there is like this rawness. The, the Psalmists don't come to you all suited up, looking their Sunday best. They're coming and they're exposing, like, look, I am a mess. The church would be better if the people did the same thing. You know, one reason in the mornings when we get up, sometimes my wife and I will read through the word and we'll share it together. But I like to get alone because that allows me to be real, raw, and open with the Lord. And one of my favorite things to do when I'm really struggling is to go on a ride, a car ride by myself. And there'll be times where I'm just screaming in the car. I'm just like, I'm frustrated. I can't get over it. And what happens is like there's this release. Like there's this like, now it's open, it's out there. God knows, he already knows anyway, but there's like this, this acknowledgement by us speaking out loud to him that just kind of allows us to release it to him. It might make for some awkward car rides when people are looking at you, screaming at yourself in the car, but we could do better at just literally crying out loud to the Lord. Back to the author here. His trouble has led him to seek the Lord. And it says his hand is not growing tired and reaching out. He's obviously pursuing God. He wants him to hear his cry. Like, I, this can't be the first time that he's done this. This is something that he continually does night after night. Like, I'm not growing weary. I'm letting you know about what's going on. I am not going to grow faint in expressing what I'm feeling. The first thing we need to remember when we find ourselves in hard seasons is to cry out to the Lord. But how often do we look at moments like that and just give in to weariness? I don't know about you, but I love having pity parties. Anybody else with me? Just kind of go in my corner and wallow. There'll be times maybe where I, I can't believe how many times this happens where I'm sharing a burden with some, some friends, asking them to pray for me, and then they ask in response, are you praying? <laughs> and the amount of times that I am not seeking the Lord myself is astonishing. 
Like when you ask others to pray, are you also going to your Father? Recently, I found myself in a season of extended dryness. And it was brothers and sisters who (laughs) reminded me to call out to your father. Brothers and sisters, be sure you don't stop crying out loud to the Lord in these seasons of struggle. There are three kinds of people. You've probably heard this said in one form or fashion. There are those who are in a season of trouble. There are those who are just getting out of a season of trouble. And there are those who are about to go into a season of trouble. Be ready. Be prepared. Don't let it keep you from remembering where your help comes from. Notice in verse 2, it says, my soul refuses to be comforted. Now, there's, there's kind of two ways to look at this. Um, would you say that it is good not to seek comfort in the things of this world? That's good, right? Like, we should refuse to try to find comfort in what the world has to offer. I mean, so many times you hear of people who are running to alcohol, running to drugs, running to sex, and in extreme cases, running to murder or suicide. I would assume that most of us here are probably not dealing with those kind of things. We have more forgivable sins. We like to cuddle up with our buddies, Ben and Jerry. Anybody with me on that? In case you don't know Ben and Jerry, I'm talking about ice cream, all right? (laughs) We like to run to food for comfort, don't we? Like, I've had a bad day. I deserve this whole thing of, this whole gallon of ice cream. Mom, what, Dad, what about me? Nope, sorry, this is for me. I've had a rough day. I deserve this. Or do you remember when the word binge used to be a bad word? And now you got, you got Netflix and Prime Video saying, hey, get your binge on. You can watch the latest series and let's just wipe out a whole season tonight. Sweeping our memories away. Other people are giving themselves to their jobs and spending hours upon hours of which they don't really need to be there, but they're trying to escape what awaits them at home. All of these things are competing with calling out to the Lord. There's also a refusal to be comforted by the things of God. I know there are, there are times where maybe I'm angry, frustrated. Why did God give me these children? <laughs> and Nikki, you know, reminds me of God's word and his provision and children are a gift for the Lord. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> it's much easier to, to be in my own pity party world, right? We got to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be taken over by things of this world. It's a dangerous place to be when we refuse to be comforted by God. Verse three, when he remembers God, he moans. When he meditates, his spirit faints. Things are starting to slip for him. He's getting frustrated now. He, Perhaps he's recalling the way God has been faithful. He's remembering his circumstances that actually led him to rejoice, but now his circumstances are leading him to a place of pain and suffering. And when he thinks about God, he's frustrated. And we can find ourselves similarly when someone's trying to comfort us with God's word and we can treat ourselves like a stone wall. When people want to bring us the truth, what we need to hear, it bounces right off of us. 
we'd be careful that we pursue the Lord even in the midst of those hard times. Consider what John Calvin said. Said this, however much we may experience a fretting, sorrow, and disquietude, we must persevere in calling upon the Lord even in the midst of those impediments. Don't let your troubles keep you from crying out to the Lord. Look again at verse 4. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Here's point number two. Don't let your questions keep you from seeking the Lord. Don't let your questions keep you from seeking the Lord. It's almost like he's, he's taking a turn for the worse here. He went from crying out to the Lord to the point where he can't sleep. The Lord's are keeping his eyelids open. He can't sleep and he can't speak. Uh, I'll never forget 11 years ago, I got a call. And one of my brothers had passed away. I remember reaching out to our pastors. We lived two hours away at the time. Just had them come over and I just, they just came over and I just swept. No words. Ended up being the longest ride home I've ever had to home. And I remember when I got home after a two-hour drive, staring at the window, just crying off and on, just buried myself into my parents' lap. We just wept. We have seasons like that, don't we? Got no words. And that's a normal way. That is a normal way to mourn. But if we aren't careful and we stay in that place for a long time, it will lead us to a dangerous place. Verse 5, I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. He's remembering his past when God met him at previous times. Perhaps he's thinking back to beautiful seasons when his circumstances were reasons to celebrate. He's remembering times where the Lord was prosperous in his life. But he has gone from crying out loud to now meditating, listening to his own thoughts. And isn't that when things start to go sideways for us? When we stop listening to the truth of what God's word says and start listening to our feelings, our emotions, what other people are trying to say. I always think of like, you remember Job's wife, what he said to, <laughs> what he said to Job when he was going through all that suffering? Like, just curse God and die. When we start listening to ourselves, rather than speaking to ourselves, it leads us to decline. In verse 7, he begins to question what he once believed. And these are certainly questions I think most of us, if not all of us, as believers have asked. Will God reject me? Will he stop loving me? Have his promises ended for me? Has he stopped being gracious and compassionate? You ever question God and 
in times of trial and troubles, wondering where is he? You remember the ways God met you before. You recount his faithfulness of old. But have you ever found yourself saying, like, yes, he, he was good then, but maybe this is when finally he's no longer good to me. You ever had those seasons? I mean, don't you, in a way, in a sense, find great comfort in this psalm? Like, here you have the word of God inspired by God himself. God breathed. And we are reading of a man who questions whether or not God is good. Are you not encouraged by that? Even authors of scripture have times where they don't understand, they don't even fully grasp how good God is. Man, that's an encouragement to me. See, the problem is not in having questions on God's goodness. The problem is where do we run to to find those answers? Asking questions like this doesn't mean you aren't a true believer. It means you're normal. <laughs> it means you are paying attention. I mean, just consider how broken our world is. Have you just like turned on the news and just like turned it off and just wept because of how messed up everything is? Why did my parents have to bury their son? Just read recently in the last couple weeks, there was somebody close to us in Elkhart who, two-year-old child, drowned in a pond. Why? God, why? It's okay to question. But ultimately, it all comes back to sometimes you just have to lay it down and trust the Lord. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And here's the thing. I, I love John eleven thirty five. 35. You know what that says? Jesus wept. Lazarus passed away. He's about to raise him from the dead. Why did he cry? He's, why didn't he just like, I got this? Because God cares. You may not think he cares, but he does. It's clear in Scripture. This is why we have to run to the truth of God's word, not our own emotions. The problem is not having questions. It's how we choose to answer them and where we run to find the answers. God is big enough for your questions. Just don't let those questions cause you to keep from seeking the Lord. And this really leads to the last point. The last point is this. Respond to your troubles and questions with the truth of God's word. Respond to your troubles and questions with the truth of God's word. Look at verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your mighty among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. 
The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of the Lord of Moses and Aaron. What's he doing to? What's he doing here? He's reminding himself of the truth of God and who he is. He didn't allow his troubles to keep him from the Lord. He didn't allow his questions to be answered by his motions or by what others were saying. He ultimately found comfort from the truth of who God is. Man, we live in a world today that has absolutely no clue what truth is. A world that wants to trust the science in one area, but not trust the science in, in another area. <laughs> oh, you can have your truth, I have my truth. I don't know about you, but that's not very comforting to me. And sadly, I know many people who claim to be Christians who reject the authority of God's word, who reject the inerrancy of the Bible. And so they live on this ever-changing, fluid understanding of what truth is. It's a dangerous place to be. But as for believers in Jesus Christ, we must have to ask ourselves this question. Is God's word sufficient? Is God's word enough or is it not? Keep your finger here and mark this. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is absolutely critical if we want to continually grow in godliness and find comfort. It must come from a place of believing that God's word is sufficient. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Just look at that here. What is God's divine power granted to us? Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of God's word. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus reveals himself in the word of God. In the word of God has given divine power to grant to us everything that we need for life and godliness, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Isn't that different than the way that a lot of people view the word of God? Like, oh, it's such a burden. All these rules I gotta follow. Peter didn't see it that way. And let me remind you, Peter didn't have the whole scriptures like we did. He had like the Old Testament, which sometimes we look at the Old Testament and say, it's all bad stuff. And Peter's saying, no, there are precious and very great promises in God's word. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Man, you want to escape the sinful desires that we have? The desire to run to food, drugs, sex, alcohol, name it, entertainment, you have that desire. How do we fight against that? We fight against that through partaking in the word of God. Christian, there is no such thing as your truth and my truth. 
And can we just acknowledge that that is God's grace? You know, if, if we could have different truth and truth was fluid and moved along, you know, there'd be times where I would just punch a lot of people in the face. You ever get that way? Like, you know what? The world would be so much better if somebody just clocked them. And then like, everybody that followed afterwards would be better. This reminds me of, uh, uh, we have twin boy girls, uh, boy girl twins, and um, the girl's name is Harper. Last year we were at a baseball tournament uh, that my older son was in. And they were off. Uh, I only know this story because my sister-in-law was there. But these kids were off playing, and w- one boy went to Harper and said, I'm faster than you. I can beat you at any sport. Like, I'm better than you. And, you know, some girls would just cry. No, not my Harper. Nope, nope. This little girl, she put her hands on her hip, leaned into this little boy's face, and said, I'm going to punch you in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Now, praise God, she did not do that. But if if we just lived on what we thought was true, this would be a dangerous place, would it not? And listen, here's the thing. Don't we all deserve that from time to time? And consider this. We have a Savior who took that punch for us. When you deserved condemnation, you deserved the punishment of hell forever, Jesus came at the right time and bore our sins so that we could be made right with him. The beauty of having truth that exists outside of ourselves is that we have something to rest on that is set in stone. I love going to the beach and seeing people make these exotic sandcastles, but they don't last. The winds come, the waves come, and they're gone. But the word of God stands forever. God's word is not fluid. It's firm, fixed for all time. And that is for our good. The truth of God's promises yesterday are still true today, and they will be true tomorrow. But here's the thing. Are you opening up God's word on a regular basis? You know, if there's a thing that I fear for our church that I fear for the church as a whole is that there are far too many people that have opened the Bibles for the first time in the last six days on Sunday morning. And I'll say this to your shame. I say this to, that you may have your eyes open to realize if if we want to grow in our relationship with the Lord, it can't happen apart from spending time with him. And if you find yourself thinking, oh, this is such a burden, these are burdensome rules, let me remind you of what we just read in 2 Peter 1. This contains precious and very great promises, but we will not know of them if we never open up the word of God. So this morning, let me remind you of some of the great promises, and I don't have time to exhaust it. This is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but just consider the comfort and the hope that we see in God's word here. Psalm 23, 4, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. You going through a valley this morning? God is with us. The Bible says he will never leave you or forsake you. I don't care what your emotions say. I do care, but 
I want you to inform your emotions with the truth of God's word. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. We can come to Christ when we are weary and heavy laden and he will give us rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. 1 John 5, 3 says his commandments are not burdensome. Romans 8, arguably the best chapter in all of scripture, if that's okay to say. Verses 26 and 27 speak of the spirit that intercedes for us when we don't have the words. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Is that not amazing? You can throw any circumstance our way, God's going to use it for our good. Do you believe that? Was it crushing for our family to lose my brother? Absolutely. But only crushing as far as sadness goes. Our hope was not in life. Our hope was in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Here's the thing. Jesus gave his life for you. So what's this little trial that you're going through? I've already gave it all for you. If I didn't spare my own son, how am I not going to carry you through to the end? It's amazing. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Revelation 21, 4, this is one of my favorite ones. Christ will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. Here's the problem with so many of us, and myself included. We get so stuck in our world. We are trying to build heaven here. And Jesus says here, hey, you have no lasting city. This world is perishing. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of earth. I am going. I'm preparing a place for you. Guess what? That place, no more sorrow. No more tears. No more death. No more cancer, praise the Lord. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never Permit the righteous to be moved. Brothers and sisters, are you in the word? Are you opening your Bibles throughout the week, understanding that when you open up the Bible, you are hearing God-breathed words that have stood the test of time. People have tried to discount it, and yet it continues to be here. Blood was shed so that you would have the copy of Scripture that you have in your hands. But it does no good sitting on our shelves. Are you getting a steady diet from the Word of God? Are you fighting to believe it, reminding yourself of the truth over and over again with an untiring outstretched arm, refusing to be comforted by false idols that overpromise and underliver every time. Are you crying out to God, reminding him of what he has said, and then holding fast to the word of God. Respond to your troubles and your questions with the word of God. Look at the last two verses there again in Psalm 77. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. 
You led your people like a flock of the hand of Moses and Aaron. Speaking of the parting of the Red Sea, God's foot wasn't visibly seen there, but his presence was. He's reminding himself of how God has been faithful to his people since the beginning. Not one time has God ever failed us. Maybe failed us in what we have expected, but he's never failed us in reality. Do you take time to remind yourself of how God's always been faithful? When troubles and chaos surround you, do you remind yourself of his faithfulness in the past? In our house, we have this framed letter. And in the letter, there are 11 different addresses. Nikki and I have been married for 19 years, and we have lived in 11 different places. Newlyweds, there's a challenge for you. Don't try to beat that. (laughs) And in that, there's some pain. There's some pain of having to leave a house that we absolutely loved. We loved our house in Granger. It had everything that we ever wanted. When we moved there, we thought, this is our dream home. We can foresee having kids, bringing grandkids home here. And God took it away. But then we look back and we see all the ways God met us at those different addresses. Reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God that our hope is not found in this world. Our hope is not found on Pencross. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters who are experiencing troubles, those who are just getting out of a season of trouble and those about to enter that season, let me remind you to view your circumstances, your suffering through the lens of Scripture. Respond to your troubles and questions with the truth of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have been faithful yesterday, today, and you'll be faithful tomorrow. Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters here. Pray for us, Lord, that we would be reminding ourselves continually when we want to run away, when we want to go into our inner thoughts, Lord. Help us to continually with with untiring arms stretch out, cry out to you. And Lord, may we view what we experience in our life. May we view things through the lens of Scripture. Lord, not a burdensome set of rules, but precious and very great promises. God, make us students of your word so that we can regularly feast on the beauty of who you are. So that when those circumstances come and they knock us sideways, Lord, we stand firm because our footing is on the rock. God, thank you for your grace, for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray.